Podcast Network Asia. The little that I know now, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like excited to be, you know, if this is really happening, I'm kind of excited that it's like in my generation. When like Revelation used to scare the crap out of me. Scientifically, when you think about it mathematically, three points in space, there's only one linear line that you can go through. Oh, oh, okay. So understanding oh. Genesis, the first coming in Revelation, all according to the fulfillment of Revelation, because that's where the real key is. It's like a key to unlock everything. Revelation could be written. It's written for the Christians during that time of persecution. So it's definitely written for that audience. Then there's the, that's the past. Then there's the present, which is mass. And there's the future, which is the second coming. So past, present, and future. Just a side note, you look a lot more like Derek Ramsey when you're frowning. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Narrow Door Podcast. It is episode number 151. We are currently doing a series called Road to Revelation. The show is on YouTube and Spotify. I'm Sam O. My girl Tina Ryan is here. Instructor Aaron Russo is from New Heaven and New Earth, Trinity Church of Jesus. And joining us for the first time ever um, on the Narrow Door Podcast is a friend of mine. He hosts his own podcast. It's called The Jay Aruga Show, which is on its third season. He calls his show the first Filipino podcast on conservative values. We'll ask him about all this good stuff. Jay Aruga, welcome to the Narrow Podcast. Hey. Come on in. Hey, everyone. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Nice to Thanks meet for... you, Tina and instructor Aaron. Mm-hmm. Thanks for inviting me, Sam. I Absolutely. think I passed a conservative look. <laughs> okay, so Tina <laughs> Very much. Been, Very yeah, much. kind of been rocking the conservative look for, for a few episodes now, Tina. I mean, is this like a streak that you're trying to keep? What is, no, I, are you having a moment? Wanna, I just don't want to comb my hair, guys. I was put it in a bun. <laughs> so much easier. Jay, I have been on your podcast, I think, early yes. days of the pandemic, right? Right, right. I, I launched you to stardom. That's right. <laughs> I, would, this, I would like to take credit for that. Yes, this mega stardom that's happening to me right now, all credit to Jay Aruka. <laughs> no. was, your, was your podcast a pandemic project? Because I think a lot of us, when the pandemic hit, like we all jumped online, whether that was a podcast or launching a YouTube channel. Was yours one of those? No, no. I, I can brag that it's not a pandemic project. I'm ah. doing the podcast before the pandemic hits. Okay. So, Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like nowadays we can kind of group the po- the podcast into two. Were you pre-pandemic mm-hmm. or post-pandemic? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just like BC and AD for right, podcasting. Right, right, right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. your show, the Jay Aruga show. Congrats on season three. Um, first Thank Filipino you. podcast on conservative values. Did your show start out as that, or did it evolve to being that? It- just evolved to being that because at first I, I was the like the Derek Ramsey of the Philippine podcast world. That's my subtitle. He's so modest. So... Instructor Aaron has no clue Derek Ramsey is. Good for you, Instructor Aaron. <laughs> I'll fill you in later, Instructor. Yes, please. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. I'm like riding on the outside now. That's all good. Wow. Wow. I, I just started talking about everything under the sun and then oh. i realized that there's not much podcast on conservative values so mm. might as well take the, that niche yes because most of the podcasts are on the liberal side here in the right. philippines right so, right what kind of uh, what kind of feedback do you get from people being that type of podcast 
yeah. uh, there there are some bashers, of course. Mm. That, that we yeah, because it's it's something new in the Philippines, especially yeah. when I talk about like hard issues, especially divorce, for instance, or uh, like gender ideology. I, I talk about those in the podcast, and I try to discuss the conservative view from a secular perspective as much as possible so that everyone could grasp where we're coming from. Yeah, and you really do discuss some really difficult topics, polarizing topics, when you read the you. description of his show. Polarizing topics, politics, religion, everything in between, without wanting to punching each other in the face. This is mm, up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> this is up my alley, Jay. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, because, you know, topics, conversations about religion, you know, they can get kind of difficult and all that. Um, but so in that sense, I think we're kind of, you know, in, this, in, the, in the same neighborhood, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing really well. I mean, you have had a string of international guests Thank from Jason you. Everett to Trent Horn to uh, Jeff Cavins uh, and a bunch of other people I'm too ignorant to know. But, you know, I'm so happy for you. Like, you, you're you on a roll. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Thanks, great. thanks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they thought I'm a big podcast. I, I was able to trick them into guesting. Mm-hmm. So. Instructor Aaron, do you listen to any other podcasts other than ours? This one, The Narrow Door? There's, there's <laughs> been a couple that I've, I've listened to from time to time, but nothing that I've been, like, really dedicated to. Mm-hmm. But there's been a few that my friends have, like, passed on to me and, uh, I like some of the comedy ones. You know, there's there's a couple that, you know, that go out there just to have something in the background when you're, you know, to laugh at and stuff. But I, I think there's been a couple that have been really interesting when it comes to, you know, a take on certain news or or like like he's talking about as well, like certain issues. And it's nice to be able to hear other people's views mm. and being able to have a platform where you can actually discuss things. You know, you mentioned like, you, you know, the religious conversations, they can get a little, you know, a little crazy. Oh, and, Yeah. Yeah, you know, they always say like, it's kind of funny, but they always say you don't want to get into a conversation with your family or friends about religion or politics, you know, but it, if we could learn how to communicate, maybe we could, you know, that's one of the things I'm yeah. trying to teach my kids yeah. is that mm-hmm. you have to be able to, because we have people in our family, they're going to be on both sides of everything. So instead of cutting each other off, I mean, it's better to at least be able to, to listen, you know, you don't have to accept what they're saying, but you can, you know, you can listen. Right. You know, I mean, that's not a a difficult thing, but when it starts getting heated, yeah, that's when it gets a little difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's see how we do today. You know, I I won't get heated. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, watch out for me. (laughs) We are going to talk about religion, particularly the second coming, right? On uh, the Narrador podcast right now, we are trying to discern the testimony that is coming from New Heaven and New Earth, Trinity Church of Jesus, because they are proclaiming with a testimony that this is indeed the time of second coming. Jay, what is your interest level in this stuff? I mean, we've gone kind of back and forth. You're familiar with what's going on in my show. We follow each other on Instagram. Yeah, you know, we kind of yeah. keep posted on like what's going on in each other's podcasts and stuff. And I think we've had a couple of exchanges about second coming nothing too deep though but i mean like mm-hmm. what is your interest level in this stuff as a catholic i i i just i have a little not too big interest because the bible is so huge mm-hmm. and revelation is at the end of it most of my interest is like on the present day to day 
um, how to keep like being being trying my best to be a good person as much as I can and praying for the grace of God to to avoid sin. So that's most of my interest. So mostly my my interest in reading the Bible is on the Gospels and I yeah. don't dwell that much on Revelation. And because I, I'm at that like idea that most for for the largest for the large chunk of people on earth, uh, not everyone, a large chunk of people on earth won't even reach the second coming. So that's where I'm coming from here. Right, right. And I, you know, I think that I've heard that on the show before. We kind of, I guess, think that when we say second coming, this isn't going to happen in our lifetime. I don't know why we assume that, because. At the end of the day, isn't that God's call? Like, if he says it's now, it's now. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Jesus thought that he will come like a thief in the night, right? But, but, but I'm, I'm of the, the belief that when you're at the pearly gates and St. Peter's there, I don't think he's going to ask me, uh, did you believe this about Revelation? Check. Did you believe this about Revelation? I, I think he'll ask me what, I did in my life like did you clothe me when I was naked did you feed me when I was hungry did you subscribe to the Jay Aroga show when you were on earth <laughs> because that will matter because you're out if you did <laughs> <laughs> did you follow that podcast <laughs> right, right. you're not entering the gate hon. <laughs> um, if not sorry <laughs> right 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 I mean and so I guess you know from someone like a church like, you know, Shinshinji, because they are saying that actually that stuff about the second coming, that time is now. So, you know, Instructor Aaron, like, what would you say to, you know, like, what do you have to say to something like that? Uh, well, first, it's, you know, a, a good question, you know, asking about why, why would we say it's the second coming or, or why does it matter? Right? Why does it matter if it is or if you believe it? And um, the the thing about the Bible, and you're right, it's it's a pretty large book, right? It's a large history. It's six thousand years of history. And one of the things that we actually teach a lot of is what's called like the different generations or eras that have existed within the biblical history. And at each one of these eras, God, it's kind of like a, a paradigm shift, you know, like a, a like an epoch event is what they call it, or things like that. So in the beginning, you have like Genesis, and then during the time of Noah, God destroys everything with a flood and then he starts to rebuild so that's called like the era of genesis is what we call it right it's the beginning and then it goes on from there where he makes a promise with this one person abraham and then he begins to build through that and it goes on for a period of close to 500 years and then he chooses you know moses and now he's fulfilling that promise and so at that time you had to recognize what time it was so at the time of Noah, you had to recognize, you know, to get on the boat, right? That was like what you had to recognize. That's what you had to have faith in. If you believed in Moses, if you believed that he was actually receiving this knowledge from God, then you could receive salvation. If you didn't believe it, then unfortunately you did not. I mean, it was the simple case that happened. It was the same thing at the time of uh, the Exodus where Moses came in and he says, you know, I've come on behalf of God and I am now fulfilling the promise that he actually gave through Abraham. That's why he says, I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And then if you believed him, then you would follow. If you didn't believe him, then you would stay in slavery. So there was a, a generational change. It became the generation of Moses at that time. And then God makes a promise, right? I will make you a, the kingdom and priests, right? And then they're meant to go into the promised land. Now, of course, there's the situation of them, whether they went in right away, all these things like that. But eventually they do go in and then God sets up what's called the judges. So now there's a period of judges where they're actually living by the law. But then they wanted a king. God says, you don't want that. They say they do. Gives them a king. So now there's a new generation. They go from being uh, people that are ruled by judges to now people that are being ruled by kings. So now they call it the area of the kings. And then during this time, that's when the major betrayal takes place. And so God starts to send prophets. So there's this period of the prophets. And who do you have to believe in? You have to believe in the prophets, right? First, you had to believe that the kings were actually giving the commands of God. Now the prophets. And then that goes all the way to the time of the first coming. And the reason I'm saying this is because when you live your life as just a Christian today, you're just living your life in the era of that time of Jesus, right? Jesus came, he fulfilled the Old Testament, and then he gave a testimony. I am the fulfillment. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Now, to have faith at that time, to receive salvation at that time, you actually had to believe he was who he says he was, right? He was the fulfillment. He had the testimony and you had to believe in his words in order to actually have faith. And then you left. It changed from the era of physical Israel and becomes this spiritual creation, right? What we call Christians. That's why we all, you and I and everyone else that's listening, we have the opportunity to be a part of this, you know, salvation. And that's been going on for what's called, two, you know, for 2000 years. So we call that the era of the gospel of heaven. And that's what all Christians have been living their life in, right? This era of the gospel of heaven. But God promised that there would be another, another event that would take place, right? Revelation would happen. And it's not just the book of Revelation. Like you mentioned that, you know, you really like to read the gospels a lot. Well, actually in the gospels, the, the entire four, you know, the four gospels, but not even there, but just the epistles as well. But there's so many prophecies about the second coming. You know, you talked about feeding and clothing, like in Matthew 25, right? When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you gave me something. That's actually a prophecy for the second coming as well. It's, if you look at Matthew 24, it's the signs of the second coming. And it continues on to Matthew 25, where he says, at that time, it will be like this. Well, the at that time he's talking about is the second coming. At the time of the second coming, this is what he will, you know, be asking. You have the 10 virgins, right? Those that are foolish, those that are wise, you have the ones with the talents. So point being, okay, um, <laughs> at this time of revelation, if it is this time, then we have to be those people that actually believe in the fulfillment. Because if you say that you believe in God and Jesus, but let's say you do go to heaven, right? And you're at, and actually in revelation 20, it talks about how everybody will be judged, you know, according to what they've done as recorded in the books. Well, one of the things that we're judged by is whether or not we are you know, believers. If you look at Revelation chapter 21, verse eight, it says, you know, outside, you know, are the, like the vile, the sexual moral, but the unbelievers too. And so you have to ask yourself, well, what are we believing in? Right? What do we have to believe in at that time? At the time of Revelation, we have to believe in that fulfillment if it's that time. So if you're alive during that time, and that's what you had mentioned, maybe you're not going to be, right? Maybe you're not going to be. But if you're alive at that time and it is happening, then we have to believe in it in order to say that we still believe in God and Jesus. 
what we're saying is our bodies are living in the time of the fulfillment of revelation. That's what we're saying. But everybody has fallen asleep. That's really what the Bible tells us. At that time, all of Christianity will be in a period of darkness, in a period of ignorance, in a period of unknowing. That's why it says he'll come like a thief in the night. Because everyone's asleep. And so what has to happen? We have to wake up. Well, how do you wake up? Through the light, right? Through the trumpet call, through all these things. And that's why we're given that testimony at this time. So that's what I would say. It's like, you're right up to the point of when it's fulfilled, but then when it's fulfilled, everyone has to hear it. Everyone has to believe in it. Because that's really what Revelation says, right? He makes it known so that all people, all people can hear the truth. Right. So, okay, Jay is marinating. I'm also kind of marinating on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What, Jay, you know, as Catholics, right? Yeah. I think with Shinchanji, their stance is very clear that mm. the second coming is going to be signaled by a testimony, as was the first coming, right? Mm. Jesus testified, I am the Messiah that is prophesied in the Old Testament. And so it was believing in that testimony, believing that Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies is what made you a follower of Jesus, AKA a Christian, right? And now that it's been 2000 years and we are promised a second coming, um, Shinchanji stance says there should be a testimony again. What about us Catholics? Like, what are what do we think is supposed to happen for us to recognize? Like, oh, there it is. Okay, this is this is what was promised. This is happening. What are we What are we waiting for? Definitely, we're waiting for uh, when it comes to Revelation, because Revelation, when we're reading the Bible uh, as Catholics, we we have. I'm not sure if this is this this was discussed. Before by Burns or something, or, or someone or J. Paul, uh, Revelation for a Catholic from a Catholic perspective has different senses, and I, I'm sure you heard this. And I, I don't want to rebut what instructor Aaron said. Rebut. I just want go rebut. <laughs> I just want to give the the Ritos the Catholic view, sure. discerning the passages on from Scripture. So mm -hmm. I. So I'll I'll try to explain what what I gathered. So 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 let's say from the Catechism paragraphs one one five one fifteen to one eighteen, there are two senses when trying to discern the Bible. So there's the literal sense and the spiritual sense. And I think uh, from listening to Shinchunji, they they have like the physical and figurative meanings of stuff. So it's kind of like analogous so the literal sense is literally what the text means so literally for example the great flood during the time of noah literally means the earth was flooded and the parting of the red sea literally means the red sea has parted so however from a catholic perspective on top of the literal sense there's the spiritual sense and there are three kinds of spiritual sense the allegorical sense which answers the question, how does this event or verse relate to Christ? The moral sense, how does this verse or event relate to me? And uh, that's the moral sense. And the third one is the anagogical sense. How does this relate to the future? And a lot of things in Revelation could have one or two of those senses. 
So just quickly, I'll give an example. I mentioned the Red Sea and the, the flood. So two of these events has an allegorical sense. They, they prefigured the baptism. So the flood blotted out the evil men and women during the time of Noah. The Red Sea blotted out the Egyptians chasing the Israelites. So water in baptism also blots out our original sin, our past personal sins. So prior to that moment, when we get baptized, we're, we're born anew. So that's the allegorical sense. Then there's the moral sense. How does this story relate to us? So, for example, the story of Israel in Exodus uh, as slaves of Egypt, they could very well be our story too, like our bondage to false idols in the present, our bondage to sin. And the third form is the anagogical sense. So how does it relate to the future and to the coming of Jesus? Because we also have those things in mind when we read the scriptures. So Matthew 24 has the, for, for a Catholic, has the, the literal uh, destruction of the temple during that time, and it also predicts the future for a Catholic perspective. That's the anagogical sense of Matthew 24 for us. Let, let me cite an example. I have here Isaiah 66, 10 to 11. So it says, Rejoice, O Jerusalem, and come together, all you that love her. Rejoice with joy, you that have been in sorrow, that you may exult and be filled from the breast of your consolation. So here, Isaiah was prophesying the return of Jerusalem from the Babylon exile. It could also very well be the Lord's triumph in the end of time. So when, when maybe when I look into these scripture passages, according to a Catholic perspective, I, we need to be mindful of these different senses of, the, of scripture. Right, right. And I'm not sure if I answered the question. Sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> I, I just tried to divert your your mind from it, and it just spoke oh, uh, continuously good, until we forget the question. You're good. I mean, this is similar to some things that I've heard about the Bible before. You know, there's something called like foreshadowing or prefiguration. Mm. I think is the word oh, yeah, yeah. where you know there's it, stuff in the Old Testament that really are. Uh, like a shadow of what's going to come in the future. And so yeah. in, it's like a coherent thing, the Bible. So we, we call there it are... types. We, we call it types. And that's where the word typology came from. So mm. the study of the different types in the Bible. Right, so. right. Just a side note. You look a lot more like Derek Ramsey when you're frowning. <laughs> you do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Okay. 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 So, so that is kind of the, almost like an overview, if you will, of how Catholics will view scripture. Right. And I think with Shinchanji, they're, I mean, they're focused a lot on revelation because Mm. the book is a book of prophecy for the second coming. Right. But as you say, um, they're not neglecting everything else that came before that. If anything, honestly, I have to say, and this was kind of like in the beginning of the pod, like early days of the podcast, 
I would say I was even a little annoyed sometimes because at the time it was, you know, instructor Harry who was with us on this podcast. He would go back to the first coming all the time. You know, what, like whatever we were talking about, like, but, but, always yeah. take it back to the first coming. I'm like, how is this still related to the first coming? But I think the whole, the whole Bible is really like, a, it, they're connected. Everything is connected. I guess we yes, just don't yes. know how to connect the dots. And I always say this, uh, if you're a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> if, if you watch all 20 plus movies of Marvel, they, they, they kind uh, are you a fan of Harry Potter, for instance? Sure. Uh, Harry Potter, like there, there are things in the middle, like, like his, uh, like his uh, Godfather, uh, what's, what's his face? Uh, so, so Sirius Black. Okay, so I guess I'm not. So, a fan so, so of Sirius Harry Black. Potter, he, yeah. he was seated in the first, uh, first book, and, and we, we get excited when we see that in, in like a series, like mm-hmm. something seated in the first book, and we get like mind blown how great the author is. The Bible is written by people who don't even know each other, but a lot of seeds were placed. And it's a span of like thousands of years, like uh, Insta Aaron said, 6,000 years worth of stories. So it's really mind blowing. Yeah. So. That's a good point. You're right. These people who were used by God to write the Bible, like they didn't know each other. From yeah, they don't have a pitch meeting or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But here we are talking about it at this time. And we're like none of them are friends at all. <laughs> Maybe some. <laughs> Maybe some. Instructor Aaron, were any of them kicking it? Like buddies hanging out? or hanging out? Well, in, in the first coming, yes. I mean, oh my gosh, yes, the, the disciples, the apostles. The disciples and Paul and the rest of them. I mean, they, they even, they ate together. They knew each other. But as far as the Old Testament, because so much time, you know, passes by. Yeah. Um, but actually, if you look at the, the how long they lived when they were older, the, or back, you know, back there in the time of Genesis, they actually weren't too far apart as far as generations. When you go from Adam to, you know, Noah, for example, you know, and even all the way up until Abraham. You know, Noah was only the, the ninth generation from Adam. And then Abraham was the 10th generation from, you know, from Noah. So it's really not that far of a distance when you think about from, uh, from the time of Adam to Noah, there's like 1500 years, but they lived almost a thousand years at that time. Right. Right. Whoa. And then you have uh, 500 years until Abraham. So only 2000 years from Adam to Abraham, you know, really. And you think about all the history that's happened. One of, the, one of the interesting things about Genesis is the first 11 chapters is, you know, like 1500 years, you know, almost 2000 years worth of history wow. and just 11 chapters. And then from the time that Abraham shows up on the scene, the rest of all of Genesis into Exodus is the people going, you know, the story of them going into Egypt and then coming out. So there's so much more detail. But in the beginning, you know, 2000 years of history and so much happens. I mean, incredible things happen in the first you know, a few chapters, but God just put the most important things that we need to know. Cause just like he was saying, you know, the past, it's absolutely necessary to understand the future. You cannot understand, you know, the second coming or revelation without actually understanding the past. There's, there's characters and, you know, words that are used inside of revelation. Like even the river Euphrates shows up you know, in revelation nine and revelation 16. Well, you would know that unless you go back to the time of, you know, Adam right? The tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil show up, you know, you have Babylon that shows up, you know, all these things. And just, 
the one thing that that again you know there's little differences of course you know but for a lot of it it's exactly the same i mean we you have to look at the bible not just in a completely figurative sense because it's not there's actual history there right there's actual history and you have to learn from it so verses like first uh, corinthians 10 verse 11 it says these things happened as examples and warnings for us right on whom you know salvation will come so all of that stuff is examples and warnings. It's meant to teach us. So we have to know it. And Jesus uses that in like Matthew 24 or Luke 17, where the second coming is going to be like the time of Noah or like the time of Lot. So if you don't know those things, then how are they going to be like that? Right. But he says it's not going to be a, a physical flood. So what does it mean that it's going to be like that? So you have to know the story of Noah, right? What happened at that time? why the people were corrupt, what God did, and then realize, oh, the second coming is going to be very similar. There has to be similarities in the second coming that pertain to that as well. And then knowing what it means to you, of course, there's always that moral teaching, right? The moral teaching and a good example of like, because not all prophecy or I'm sorry, not all parables or figurative language, they're not all meant to be, uh, you know, secret or unknown. There are certain ones that are just for like moral teachings, for example, when Jesus talks about like the plank of wood, and the speck of dust, you know, it's a really, of course, popular one, right? You know, why are you looking at the speck of dust in your brother's eye when you got a plank of wood in your own eye? That's a very simple understanding. He's using an allegory, he's using a, you know, a parable to explain, you know, fix your own faults, right? Look at yourself first, and then you can help and fix other people. But when we're, when, in, what we're talking about is when it's talking about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So in Matthew chapter 13, when the disciples asked Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? Right? Why are you talking to people in parables? He says, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Right, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So the parables themselves, when we're talking about the future, those things are secrets. Those things are something that is really profoundly you know, hidden within parables and figurative language. And in that same chapter, and this is the really interesting part, in that same chapter in verses 34 and 35, Matthew 13, 34 and 35, it says that Jesus spoke to the crowd in parables because he was fulfilling a prophecy, right? He was fulfilling a, a prophecy of the Old Testament. It says in Psalm 78 that this person named Asaph, right? I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So in the parables, which are the secrets of heaven, it says that there's hidden things from the creation of the world. And then those parables, they have everything to do with revelation. And then the last thing I'd like to just kind of put it together, when we talk about Matthew 24, one thing that we are always very clear on and something that we're really adamant in trying to teach and understand is that actually Matthew 24, like verses like, you know, chapters like Luke 17 as well, talk about Luke 21 and Revelation, they're actually one and the same. Matthew 24, the signs of the second coming and all of Revelation are exactly the same. So the temple that's meant to be destroyed in Matthew 24 that's the temple that's destroyed in Revelation 13, where the beast comes in. Because it says the abomination that causes desolation has to stand in the holy place. That's when that destruction comes upon that temple. And that's what happens in Revelation you know, 13, right? Sun, moon, and stars going dark in Matthew 24, 29. And then in Revelation 6, you have the sun, moon, and stars going dark. So, you know, to, to really learn it, of course, you know, you got to do all the details and, and really show exactly what happens. But that, that event of the destruction of the tabernacle in 70 AD, which people you know, equate to the fulfillment of Matthew 24, Revelation wasn't even written until 25 years afterwards. So it doesn't make any logical sense that that would be the same tabernacle. Not only that, but the Wailing Wall still exists. 
And according to the prophecy, every single stone has to be destroyed. There's not one stone left on another is what it says, but there is still. And for 2000 years, that wall has still remained. So it can't literally be that fulfillment if you go just by that, right? Just by the actual literal understanding. But again, this is all like, you know, of course, step-by-step understanding, you know, detail by detail. But I agree with like almost every single thing he just said about how you have to look at the scriptures and realize there's historical events that need to be taken literal. And then there's really spiritual events that you have to, you know, use to change yourself, to be a better moral person. And then there's also things that are meant for the future. And that's where things become, you know, convoluted. And that's why there's so much division within Christianity and so many de- denominations because, you know, they split, they split, they split. But when the actual fulfillment comes, everybody can believe in the one truth, right? And that's what we're saying today. Now is that time where the one truth is being made known. And because it's a detail by detail, exact fulfillment, everyone can have an opportunity to hear it and then believe in it. Why? just like, this is a side question. If Matthew chapter 24 is a chapter that is entirely about the second coming, and so it's prophecy, and I think that's pretty clear because the entire chapter is an answer to a question that was asked to Jesus, what are the signs of your coming, right? And then Jesus just, you know, goes on and rattles off a bunch of signs. And then there's the book of Revelation. Why was there a need to write two I mean, in your understanding that you've said this in a past episode, it's also Genesis chapter one. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, just a curiosity thing. Like, why are these prophecies repeated in different parts of the Bible? Why not just have revelation and that's it? I, I mean, I guess we'll have to ask God when he, you know, and Jesus, when they finally gotcha. come, right? We'll have to ask right. him. But, <laughs> um, but, but for, for maybe for reasons like this, where Matthew 24 by itself, it's really broad. It's a broad understanding. There's not a lot of detail inside of Matthew 24. It's very broad and it's it's used to uh, just give those answers for those particular questions that they ask, right? Those three questions, you know, when is this going to happen? What are the signs of the second coming? End of the end of the age is what they call it. Uh, but there's it's not just Matthew 24. Actually, Matthew 13, all the parables of Matthew 13 are about the second coming as well. You know, if you look at Matthew 13, when it talks about the, the two seeds in the harvest, Matthew 13, verse 39 says, at the end of the age, right, the harvest will come. It's called the end of the age. So that's talking about Revelation 2. And then you look at Revelation 14, and sure enough, there's a harvest. So it's not like all four of the Gospels are about the second coming as well. It's about the first coming and the fulfillment, right, testifying who Jesus was. But that was just the foundation that Jesus's job was not just to come the first time, right? His job is to lay down that foundation to establish God's kingdom that where he's going to, you know, begin to create people in a spiritual sense, take them to create the holy city, New Jerusalem, which is being fulfilled in Revelation, and then come back and create God's kingdom here on this earth. But Revelation is detailed. There are so many details that have to be fulfilled exactly according to Revelation, right? All 22 chapters, all 404 verses have to be exactly fulfilled according to it. And it has to match 24. So if it's only just one, then there could be many different ways of looking at it. But just like, you know, in like a scientific way of thinking, and this is why I I like saying it's not just Revelation, but it's Genesis, first coming and Revelation all have to be, you know, together. If you think about it scientifically, the like a point in space, 
right? Just one point in space, there's an infinite number of ways that you can go through that point, right? When you think about it in just in space in general, two points of space, there is a tremendous amount of ways that you can go through that point because there's all different ways. But scientifically, when you think about it mathematically, three points in space, there's only one linear line that you can go through. Oh, whoa. Okay. So understanding so... Genesis, the first coming and revelation, all according to the fulfillment of revelation, because that's where the real key is, right? It's like a key to unlock everything. So I guess having said all that, um, we can get to the parable that we're supposed to talk about today, which is the right, parable yeah. of the song. Remember guys, that's what we're doing right now. We're breaking down the parables. But before we get to that, Jay, I mean, do you want to say anything to what Instructor Aaron shared uh, sure uh just quick I, I talk about the different senses of scripture because as i give the catholic view of the symbols in revelation i could it could either be one of the senses that, so let's say the literal sense is john writing to an audience in revelation the persecuted christians and church during that time and instructor aaron said that the revelation was written at 1980 it's a it's contested because some say that there's not much persecution going on at 90 AD. So some historians put Revelation to the time of Nero, where a lot of Christian persecutions are happening. So, so let's put it at that for now, that it's contested. So there's the allegorical sense where the symbols of Revelation could be pertaining to the liturgies of Mass. A lot of the things we do at Mass were taken from Revelation. The holy, 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 the penitential rite at Revelation 2 and 3, Christ calls them to repent. The reading of the scrolls is like the liturgy of the word in Mass. And mm -hmm. many times the Lamb of God is mentioned in the liturgy of the Eucharist in Mass. So it's definitely has something to do with that part of the Revelation where the Lamb of God is mentioned. So also there's the anagogical sense where we finally are triumphant at Christ's second coming. So so those are just the three things I'd like to point out. So yeah. Revelation could be written. It's written for the Christians during that time of persecution. So it's definitely written for that audience. Then there's the that's the past. Then there's the present, which is mass, and there's the future, which is the second coming. So past, present and future. Okay. I, I hope I don't offend anybody or anyone with my oh, question. Watch but out. I'm like, no, no, I'm just like, who, 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 or when was it decided that the Bible should be um, read? Like, I mean, those, the census thing, I kind of, I'm kind of having a hard time wrapping my head around that the fact that it should be understood using those senses. I mean, because uh, now I think that. If it's not in the Bible, then it's man-made. I mean, Tina am I making any been, sense? No, no, no. I mean, you, Tina has been pointing this out quite a bit on mm. the show. I mean, you know, ever since we started talking Bible on the podcast, mm. Tina's just like, if it's not in the Bible, then this is questionable. <laughs> you know, like that's that's kind but, of her stance. Like, but uh, okay, but, that that's a, yeah. that's that's fine. I mean, that's a position that yeah, a lot yeah. of people are in, actually. Instructor Aaron. What, well, what? the, you know, the contesting that, that he's talking about, there are some that, you know, wonder about 
exactly when it was written. It's the the majority of of the understanding has been around 95 AD when Apostle John was on the island of Patmos. And it, you know, he mentioned that it's it's meant to be for the Christians at that time period, but actually that's that's where we differ, you know, greatly because we don't believe that it was meant for that. It's meant for it's a revelation for the future, for the second coming, from beginning to end, all from the beginning to the end, including the letters themselves. In the very beginning, when John is chosen, right, it says that I heard a voice behind me and I was in the spirit. So from that moment forward, everything that he's about to see is a vision. And he turns around and he sees Jesus, where he first the voice like a trumpet, he turns around, he sees Jesus walking among the seven golden lampstands with seven stars in his hand. And he sees the, the spiritual figure of Jesus, right? You know, the very crazy looking one with the hair, white like wool, eyes blazing like fire, a, or fire, like a sword coming out of his mouth. And then he tells him, write a letter to the seven churches, but it's in a vision. And so it's as if you were writing a letter in a dream, right? They never received those letters because it was written in a vision. And everything that's in that letter is actually figurative language. You have the Nicolaitans, you have Balaam and Balak, Jezebel, you have food sacrificed to idols, you have a white stone, right? The tree of life. You've got the pillar of temple of God that's going to be written upon him. All kinds of amazing things that actually happen. Revelation 2 and 3, which are the letters, it's actually the three entities that appear in the time of Revelation. You have the betrayers, which are the seven messengers, the seven stars. You have the destroyers, which is the Nicolaitans those that claim to be Jews, but are not, that's actually the beast with seven heads and 10 horns that you find later. And then you have the savior, the one who overcomes to the one who overcomes, I will give this to the one who overcomes, I will give this. And he, it, you know, it, he begs them for forgiveness, right? To tell them to forgive. I mean, so to a repent, sorry, <laughs> he begs them to repent, repent right? right? He says, remember that your first love, remember the height from which you have fallen. Do the things you did at first, repent, or I will come and I will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. And the interesting thing is out of those seven churches, the church of Ephesus, Apostle John was the leader of the church of Ephesus. So it doesn't make any logical sense that he would actually be chosen by Jesus to write a letter to himself telling himself to repent. So many people claim that those churches are like the, the time period of Christians over the last 6,000 years, or that they are particular uh, you know, churches at the time of like the beginning that represent like the different sins and things like that. But again, the only time we're ever going to know that is when the actual fulfillment comes. And the most important part of it is Revelation chapter one, verse 20, that says that the seven stars and the seven golden lampstands, the seven churches are a mystery. So if they were a mystery, then they wouldn't be the literal churches, because if they're the literal churches, it's not a mystery. So what is it? The Church of the Seven Golden Lampstands, again, just like Insta Harry, you got to go back to the time of the first coming, <laughs> right? There's a logic of betrayal, destruction, salvation that happens all throughout the Bible, from the very beginning, through Adam, all the way through in every single generation, there's betrayal, destruction, salvation. The little that I know now, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like excited to be you know, if this is really happening, I'm kind of excited that it's like in my generation when mm -hmm. like revelation used to scare the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For, for if you're, if you've been good, I guess you should be happy when you see Christ, like going down from the air, <laughs> from, from the clouds. 
Right. Uh, but if you're you're living a really sinful life, that's where where you hide. <laughs> that's when you hide. Trust yeah. me, I was sinning this morning. Uh, let's not go there, but <laughs> no, but it's true. I think how you feel about the second coming says a lot about you know. But then again, I mean, like, who can really say if Jesus was in front of you? Like, how can you really say I'm good? Yeah, I've been, I've been very yeah. No, no one. And... Yeah, no, no, no one can. Yeah, uh, like, like even even the the saintliest saints don't consider themselves uh, like a saint. Right. Even they think of themselves as sinners. So exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <gasps> oh, oh, one more. Instructor Aaron, am I like, let's just say, you know, if I'm starting to what makes one worthy to believe? Worthy to believe? What do you mean? Like if you know, let's just say the 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 the, the revelation is slowly happening. It's slowly fulfilling in korea and i'm like okay i want to believe it but am i worthy is mm. there like um some sort of like um like i don't know like um uh what is the word like qualification yeah do you have do you need to have certain qualifications to believe uh, yeah is like your uh, question yeah because sometimes you know like when it comes to religion and like believing god oh i'm not worthy of christ i'm not worthy of god you know i hear that a lot and so now hearing this it's yeah what makes one worthy to believe it am i are you guys following me like Uh, yeah I, i think so i think so i don't i think just what jay said i don't think anyone will ever feel like they are and I think that's a good thing, right? I mean, being having a humble heart, um, contrite, you know, that type of thing, uh, penitent heart, all these kind of, you know, interesting words that they use, meaning basically just meaning that you, you never really do feel completely worthy, but that's not a, a bad thing because you don't want to feel arrogant about it or that you deserve it, yeah. right? That you deserve all this stuff. Um, none of us are, you know, perfect. We're born into sin, right? We, we have our own personal sins, that type of thing. Um, but you have to have a desire to want to, I think, you know, and I, I think there's reasons why God chose certain people at certain times. I mean, even in the old Testament, he chose people that in, in today's world, if you saw those people, you wouldn't think of them as like the best people. Right. You know I mean? King David basically had, uh, the husband of somebody he loved, you know, wanted murdered, if you will, put him on the front line and took his wife. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy. Achiba. Right. Yeah. And then you have somebody like Paul who murdered people, stood there while Stephen was getting stoned to death, you know, had actively persecuted and caused many believers of Christ to be killed. And yet Jesus chose him. And I think maybe one of the reasons he did, I just think of this as my own personal kind of thing, but I think one of the reasons he did is because if someone like Paul can be forgiven, then I think we all have an opportunity. Right. It doesn't give us a like a license to sin. That's not, you know, proper, but at least we can say, okay, God will forgive me if I really truly have a heart of repentance. And that's where being born again really, you know, that's really what it means. It's not just a physical action of being dunked in the water or just changing your lifestyle because you don't have to be a believer to change your lifestyle. There's been plenty of people that decide, I don't want to drink anymore, I don't want to do drugs anymore. But they don't care about you know god or jesus but 
it's really it's a spiritual thing of really wanting to believe in it yeah yeah here's okay here's a question going back to the different senses that we read scripture jay as catholics right because you did mention that one of the senses is anagogical which concerns future events so Mm -hmm. let's just stay in the realm of future events right because Mm -hmm. we are talking about prophecies for the second coming Shinchanji believes that because there's a prophecy, there needs to be a testimony. What do we think yeah. is supposed to happen about these anagogical things? Is there going to be a testimony for that as well? Hold on to your seats, Catholics. That's coming up on part two of our conversation with our friend Jay. And we finally, finally get into the parable of song on the next episode as well. In the meantime, please go show some love to the Jay Aruga show on Spotify, Healing Leaves on YouTube for instructor Erin Russo, and the Dog Behind the Human podcast on Spotify for Tina Ryan. You can also shoot us an email and be a legit Dorito, the narrow door podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see See you on the next.